0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Because we haven't had our lineup, it's given us an opportunity to know what we have. But it's also about getting players back into the mix. I mean, Cooch has played how many games? 12 games? You know, he needs reps. Um, that line has not played together as, as much as we've liked. So that's the part is to get some of these players. Like Chernak is a 20-plus-minute guy that... Played 20 games. So we're getting some of the guys that are used to playing more reps and, and picking up the pace of their play. But, you know, to answer your question, it's been a great, really good out evaluation process for us.
1: Yeah, I would agree. John Cooper right there talking about his team. And we touched on this yesterday a bit when we talked about Kucherov and Chernak being out for consistent time. I said Kucherov
0: played 12 you games. Know, you did. And you corrected me. He had played 13. John Cooper is not listening to Power Lunch. You blame him? Had he heard yesterday's show, he would have known that Kucherov has played 13 games. Also, he could have looked at the game sheet or the stat sheet, as I'm could sure have I. I didn't have it in front of me, though. Yeah, but you miss, me how many your games Kucherov pretty Kucherov
1: Your memory is pretty good. Well, so I was than
0: spitballing. You? I'm like, nah, was it about 12? You're like, nah. yeah, you're close, 13. Yeah, but I mean, like, look. John look. Cooper, Kutrov has played 12 games. No. <laughs> no. He has played 13. Uh,
1: it is true. It is true. I mean, he, he. let's put it this way. He has not played a ton. We took a question yesterday about the power play and why it maybe was struggling against Arizona a bit. And by the way, to... Finish that story, because I think it was Al who asked it, and it is Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I am Greg Linelli. I'll ask John Cooper the question. He, well, you know what? That might have been <laughs> interesting. your question, hey, Al. Hey, you know what? It, it can't hurt, because sometimes the response Coop has to the reporters, he's kind of like really <laughs> How do you think Coop question? would
0: handle questions from Al? Al asks very pointed wow. questions.
1: Sometimes they're not even questions. Sometimes they're comments. I think we have to preface this by saying Al during the game or Al after the game. Because Al, during the game, sometimes he'll say, boy, they stink. They just they need upgraded at every position. <laughs> and then after the game, I think, you know, when the emotions subside, Al's like, I really like this guy. Mm. Uh, you know, I think, I think he could be good. But we just have to give him a bit more time. Anyways, uh, we've Anyways, got the game tonight. Proceed, yes. Yeah, Lightning Devils tonight. But the, the point of that, the tweet was just he was asking about the power play and, and why it was sluggish. And my response to him, it was my only response, was, let's give it some time. Kucherov has only played in a handful of games. And I I really think it's that simple. Are are you going to have some games where the power play looks out of sync? Of course, even with Kucherov. We have seen that depending on how aggressive the power play or the penalty kill is for the opposing team. I mean, all great power plays can look out of sync. But I said, in general, it is night and day how the power play looks and operates when Kucherov is in the lineup and when Kucherov is out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. And if he's only played in 13 games, I mean, let's let's just give it a few more games here with him in the lineup to evaluate the power play appropriately. Because we saw, Mish, what an impact he made last year in the playoffs. I mean, I remember going on DAE and the guys were asking, Pat and Aaron, you know, Where is Cooch going to have the biggest impact? And I said, I think it's going to be on the power play. Because five on five, it might be a little bit different. Not as much room. I think that takes a little bit more time to get in sync than it would when you're operating with one less defender on the ice. Particularly a skilled guy, Mish, who likes to have some space and time to create. So I thought the power play, I didn't know it was going to work out that way. He was going to be able to make a bigger impact early on. He did. I think that's going to be the same thing with him back in the lineup playing on a regular basis. I think you're going to see those power play numbers increase. And I just, I think we have to sometimes keep things in perspective when we are evaluating this Lightning team because they have had, throughout this season, big chunks of time with key guys out who do a specific skill set very well. Chernak on the PK and being physical. Kucherov on the power play. Point. Same thing. We have to keep that all in mind, I think, when we're looking at this team big picture. Well, I'm looking at
0: the game-by-game with the power play numbers. So Kucherov returned from, we'll call it, the lengthy injury on January 6th. Lightning played Calgary that night. The first two games after Kucherov's return... The power play went 0-3 against Calgary, 0-4 against Boston. The game against Boston, I'm not remembering that one quite as well, but, but I'm, I'm going to lump it in with the Calgary game for this purpose. Yeah. Because I seem to remember coming out of that Boston game, because that was a Saturday, I believe. And we, I think, had the weekend, and then we talked about it on Monday that it's only going to be a matter of time. The power play looked good, even though they didn't score. Remember that conversation? They were they were zipping it around. They, they were just humming. weren't quite finishing it off yeah, I do once that, Kucherov right. came back. So those are the two games where they didn't score. After that, here are the power play numbers. One for two. One for three. One for three. One for three. All for seven against Anaheim. They didn't play well in that game. One for two, that was at San Jose. And then Kuch went on the COVID list. In those games where they scored, here are the goal scores. One for two, Kuchrov scored. One for three, Stampko scored. One for three, points scored. One for three, Kuchrov scored. And then after the 0 for 7, one for two, Kalorn scored. Those goals all came from the top unit. So... Again, like you use this expression, prisoner of the moment. Are we getting worked up? If you are getting worked up, I'm not worked up. But nothing, for these nothing. people who were tweeting at you saying, what's up with the power play for these two games they just played in Colorado and in Arizona, the bulk of work that the power play has done since Kutrov's return has been quite good. Not only have they looked good, they have produced and the units that that has produced has been the unit with kucherov on it and i mean just those numbers like those are a lot of one for threes one for twos that's a very good percentage that's going to be over 30 percent now you want to add in the O for 7 that'll drop it down a little bit but that was one game that will have an effect on the power play percentage during this time that kuch has returned and then you know what he missed he missed three games, but he missed more than that because we have to factor in the break with the All-Star break. So I think we need to kind of push pause on this until the schedule resumes in earnest, and let's see how the power play gets back into rhythm. But I, I think the, the stats refute this notion that the power play is in some kind of rut since Kucherov came back. Yeah. We'll I mean, see. it's hard to argue with these numbers
1: that I just read. Yeah, it is. You know, you know what it is? And this might be my fault. I don't know. I think it's how I'm looking at the regular season with this team specifically. Like, for instance, a team like tonight, the Devils, who they're playing, you're looking at the regular season a lot differently than you are at Tampa Bay's. I guess because of what they've done and everything that they have faced, you know, those questions, can a team turn the switch on heading into the playoffs if they are not playing as well heading – down the the, the stretch run in the regular season. The Lightning answered that question. And they want a Stanley Cup doing that. Uh, Can you win a Stanley Cup when your best player doesn't play at all in the regular season and plays during the postseason? The Lightning answered that question. They can. Now, there may be some other questions they have to answer here that may pop up. Some of it might be depth. Could be injuries. But I feel like I don't, uh, especially now, Mish, but I, I feel like especially over the last couple of years. I mean I, I, I don't overreact with this team and I think that's more of a compliment to them than anything else because I think they've proven that they don't get rattled. And, you know, their their record the second game of a back to back, particularly when they lose that first one, is pretty impressive. They don't go in along losing streaks. It's tough. You, you feel like when you're really critiquing the Lightning at this point, it feels like you're nitpicking. And I, I just I, – I don't go there. I, I I don't like going there, especially for a team that's won back-to-back Cups. If we can get into some indiv- individual performances. I don't know about you. I, I just I, – I have a tendency to say these guys, typically when something looks wrong on the ice for a couple of games, they typically correct it mm-hmm. in the third or fourth game. And – I don't know. I I think that's the big picture, how I look at the Lightning and and their play. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it.
0: Yeah, I look at the regular season as the pathway to the playoffs. That's the most important thing for the Lightning at this point in their franchise trajectory, to get out of the regular season. Right. Get in. Other teams may have different priorities, the – The circumstances might be different. Sometimes just getting in as an accomplishment, like we kind of talked about Anaheim, for example, with some young players. Correct. How much a a playoff series would benefit those young players, even if it's a short playoff run. And they may get in and not have a short playoff run, but but the Lightning are not at that point. The Lightning are at the point where, clearly – winning back-to-back Cups, they want to win a third. The only way you're going to get a chance to win a third is get into the playoffs, but as they showed last year, they don't have to be the first-place team. They can win a series in which they do not have home ice advantage. So getting in is the top priority, and they have taken care of business to this point through 48 games. They've put themselves in a phenomenal position. Sure. Now... On the one side of the coin, are they leading the league in offense? No. Are they leading the league in defense? No. Do they have the best power play in the league percentage-wise? No. Do they have the best penalty kill in the league percentage-wise? No. But where it matters most, banking points and getting wins and putting yourself in a secure playoff position, they have done exceptionally well. And you don't need to look any further than their ability to avoid back-to-back regulation losses so far this year. Correct. Which is what you just talked about. The other thing too is they've done very well in close games, where even if they've lost the close games, if it's a if it's a close game in the third period, this was more before January, as we talked about. Although now they're starting to get some close games again, one-goal games. But we had a lot of games in the first half of the year where it was tight in the third period, and the Lightning ensured that they got at least a point out of those games, with rare exception. That was really important. Going toward this objective of, let's get points, let's get in the playoffs. Do they want their game to be at a championship level when the playoffs begin, or at least as the playoffs get going and and through a series building to that championship level of course but the power play doesn't need to be clicking at 33 percent right during the regular season for that to happen i think that's the point that you're making you're not sweating over the details of how the power play looked in game 47 of the regular season now (laughs) if it's if it's a 2-1 game they're down in the third period in game three of the playoffs yes and they get a power play and they need a goal, way different story.
1: No doubt. I think it's a fair point. The The other thing I do do now, I, and I, I'm doing it more because I find it fascinating, the other teams in the division, in the conference, how well they are playing. I mean, Dave, the Eastern Conference, the top eight teams, this is shaping up to be, I, I think, a really dynamic field at this yeah. point. You know, I <sighs> – Again, I don't want to live in the moment, be a prisoner of the moment, because you know maybe two years ago we looked at the standings 48 games in. Maybe it would have been this impressive. I don't know. I'd, ha- I'd have to go back, and I'm not going to do that. But I am looking at the Eastern Conference here, and I'm thinking, all right, you know, it's interesting. If the playoffs were to start today, which obviously they don't, the Lightning would take on Toronto. I've told you about Toronto. I mean, I, until you do it in the playoffs, there are some questions. Jack Campbell's played pretty well. Mm -hmm. We've given you his numbers over the last couple of years. This is a team that has a goal differential of a plus 42. Now, we know they're a bit of a flawed team, but we do know what a goaltender can do for you when it comes to perhaps masking some problems that you have defensively. But then, like, if you're the Lightning and the playoffs were to start today, you would take on Toronto. That'd be a hell of a first-round series. Yep. If the Lightning finished in first place, had the, the number one overall seed in East, they would be taking on the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. I actually think the Boston Bruins at this point, because of their goaltender concern or question, they may be the weakest team, but we know how dangerous they can be, Mitch.
0: Yep. Same with the
1: Capitals. And the Capitals, for I mean, you don't think that would be a physical series if somehow, let's say, Washington slipped to that last playoff spot, and Tampa Bay finished with the number one overall seed. I mean, look, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Wilson, they can do a lot of damage. you are just talking about the power play, that could be a special teams battle. But hell, it is shaping up to be wherever you place. It's going to be a dogfight. And and we kind of know that in the first round anyways. But, uh, and Dave, you have a better memory I do than when it comes to this stuff. It just feels like there are less weaknesses at the teams right now I'm looking at in the top eight than we've seen before in previous years
0: well I've been fairly consistent that there are no easy series in the playoffs I mean yeah sometimes a team gets in by the skin of their teeth and and maybe feels just happy to be there And they're overwhelmed by the situation if they don't have a lot of playoff experience. But sometimes those teams are playoff tested. I mean, I think to an element, to a degree, the the Columbus Blue Jackets weren't new to the playoffs. But they had to fight hard to get in the playoffs in 2019. And I think it served them well when they beat the Lightning. That was one part of it. But you just can't. This is why I, I often say when, you know. Fans ask, or you even ask me, like, you know, matchups. And look, I'm not saying that matchups don't matter. And some matchups may be more well-suited to a team's strengths than others. But whoever you get in the playoffs is capable of beating you. They've made the playoffs for a reason. And I know a lot of teams make the playoffs. 50% of the NHL teams make the playoffs. But those 50%, that 50%, they will have earned it through an eighty two game regular season. And they are not gonna pose like a cakewalk matchup. Very rarely do we see a team cruise through a playoff series. Right. Even sweeps. I mean, there are usually some close games in there. One goal games, sometimes well, an overtime game.
1: You know, five game series have been tough. Yeah. You know, we've seen that before. They can be yeah. very challenging. So I mean yeah, the no, Lightning
0: the Lightning beat Carolina in five games last year. That was not an easy series. No.
1: Heck no. Heck no.
0: So I'm not surprised. Now, do we want to say that it's maybe even more top heavy than in a normal year? I think that's fair, but the way it manifests and has manifested itself is that there was just a huge gap between team eight and nine. Yeah. I mean, like Washington and Boston. Boston had a win in Ottawa the other night. Like, they've kind of stumbled and bumbled a little bit here. I think I was looking at it. They're around 500 in their last 10, both teams. And you're like, maybe this is going to open the door. All right, Washington's four and six in their last 10. They're coming off a home loss to Ottawa. Bruins are five, four, and one. Like, maybe that's going to open the door. The teams on the other side of the playoff cut line are not exactly tearing it up either. No. Detroit is 4-5-1. and one. Wings are 4-5-1 are and one in their last 10. And Columbus, which has won three in a row, is just 6-4 and four in the last 10. So, like, if you're going to say, all right, the Caps and the Bruins are kind of herky-jerky right now, maybe mm-hmm. that, that opens the door a crack. There's no team beneath them that's going 8 and 2 or 8-1 one and 1. Yeah. And really making a move to to chomp into that deficit. Do you have any confidence that one of these 8 teams is going to be able to do that? Dan Rosen talked about the Islanders. They have a tough schedule. They're out west. They've just lost back-to-back games on the road out in Western Canada.
1: Yeah, I think the Islanders, that's that's probably too much of an obstacle to right. overcome i mean they still
0: have the games in hand but that's the point yeah, that's why do. it's so hard to make up it ground is. you need at least one if not more than one of those teams ahead of you to really hit a rough patch and then you need to get hot
1: yep no you're right and you know the way the islanders play the way they have to, i mean they not there aren't going to be many five nothing games where they're just going to skate somebody off the ice. I mean, they, it's, yeah. a, it's a grinding type team and that's a tough way to play to make up that ground and overcome all of the teams in front of you, which is the point we've always tried to make when it comes to the standings and teams below that eight seed. You know, it's kind of where are you in the standings and, and how many teams in front of you? So, but I guess I would say
0: about. Greg that, that even in a year where there's not a huge gap between team eight and team nine, you're the one seed. You're not getting a cakewalk matchup in the first no. round usually.
1: No. That being said, I will say this. That being said, I, I know I gave props to Boston. I'm not sold on their goaltending more so than, let's say, Toronto. Yeah. You've said that. That would be a team I would, I would if you're asking me, you know, if I had to pick. And look, I, I agree with you in general. A first-round matchup, by and large, could be your toughest matchup. Although, I, I always laugh at that because I feel like, you know, the Stanley Cup final was going to be a dogfight. Let's not minimize the impact of that, but I I kind of get where these these people are coming from. But you have the goaltending that Boston has without Tuukka Rask. I think there are more questions in nets than let's say a Jack Campbell for Toronto. Moving forward, or you know somebody else in that division particularly the Atlantic that we have discussed so often. So it's something to think about. And you mm-hmm. know, I, I just I, I look at the standings and I'm I'm pretty amazed at the pace these teams are yeah. are playing with, which is pretty impressive. And kudos we're, to them.
0: We're still looking at a bit of a gap, although the gap is narrowing in the games played differential, because some of these teams that had a lot of games to make up are making them up now. I mean the Lightning were among one of the most games played teams in the league heading into the all-star break and now they're still on the, the higher end but there are a few teams ahead of them yeah including their opponent tonight the devils have played 49 games we were they played four games since the all-star break already
1: I, I, and I the was lightning about are this. at 48 so do you think partner with the lightning schedule the way it is in february and i, I think they've tried to spin it in a way that, you know, John Cooper, I've heard Victor Henman say it, you know, it gives us a chance to rest up and get some guys healthy. You know, Coop was talking about Bogosian. Looks like March he'll be back. Mm-hmm. He's only going to miss, I think, like three games, I think is what Coop said. But anyways,
0: do you well, think, though? Be three more games. Three this more point. games. Correct. Yeah.
1: Do you think privately, do you think they would like to have more games on the schedule? In February, or do you feel like the time off, they appreciate that and they'll, they'll take it? I mean, you have to play what you have to play, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure these they're, guys...
0: they're expending too much energy thinking about it, the players anyway. I will say this. I mean, the fact that the Lightning had the games to make up, all these games are on the road. Yeah. So they knocked out that Colorado-Arizona trip and got some time to recover. Yes. Which... Usually in, in the context of a normal regular season, they do give you a little bit of time to recover. That that trip originally was scheduled heading into the Christmas break. So the lightning would have had a couple of days off. Now, as Bob pointed out earlier in the week, sometimes the lightning don't always play well coming out of a longer break. This one isn't quite as long. They last played Friday, today is Tuesday, and they basically had a red eye back from from Phoenix. After the game on Friday. So Saturday was a recovery day, and they had an off day Sunday, too. Yesterday was a full practice. Today, they're not even going to the rink. Yeah. Which is why I'm doing the, the show from the hotel. <laughs> You're yeah. not hearing any pucks and and sticks hitting the ice in the background.
1: Is that just somebody next to you hitting hitting the door? Sign? Yeah, keep there's it down somebody really
0: there. up there. Well, or they want their room service <laughs> 10 minutes ago. So, I don't know. I mean had those 3 games been at home maybe they would have felt a little differently or or voiced it a little bit more like it would have been nice to get some games moved out of march but the league had its hands full i mean I they have to yeah they had a tough task here but it's to such try a huge gap games made up like it's who would the lightning be playing well who knows the teams that you might I mean, be yeah. taking out of the schedule for the lightning and moving up those teams might
1: have already full schedules. You, you, you're probably right. And I, I'm saying this because I have not looked at other teams' schedules that in depth. I'm just saying that is an extremely long time uh, to go in between games, I think. Yeah. I, I, I just, and I'm, I'm wondering because we, we talked about how intense March and April are going to be. And as Rick Bonus has said, I always go back to this quote you do too. The body wasn't meant to play hockey that many times, that many games in a week. And he was referencing three to four. You know, right, basically. but this was their
0: regular schedule or original schedule. The only change that was made off the original schedule was the, the two games that were flip-flopped, which doesn't really change the frequency or intensity of the games well, within right. the schedule. Yeah,
1: I mean, you're, you're probably right. It just feels what Dallas had out to deal with.
0: They had to, they had to fit games that were postponed into right. an existing schedule that was already fairly yeah. busy. The lightning. I will say this: March is going to be a, a grind because it's a busy month, and also they have a lot of road games. Ten out of eleven on the road. You are going to be a road warrior, Mish. That is know true. That. But. After that, 12 of their last 17 are at home. So while the schedule remains busy and intense, the amount of time spent on an airplane is going to go way down. So what would you rather have, Greg? I mean, I guess I'll I'll flip this back to you. Would you rather have the busy schedule with more road games at the front end or at the back end? I know how I would answer that. (laughs)
1: You want the so front. the Lightning
0: have the benefit of of that part of their schedule, and also none of these none of these home stands are like seven, eight, nine games, which can be right. tricky too. So it's like they play a handful, they go on the road, they play one, they come home, they play another handful, they go on the road and play another. And in fact, of those five road games, two of them are right at the end of the year, so they're going to have twelve out of what is it twelve out of fifteen are at home once they come back from that. That trip where they play, what is it, Detroit and the Islanders back-to-back on a weekend in late March. I would say that that's a pretty advantageous schedule as you get geared up for the start of the playoffs. Yeah, that
1: could be fair. That might be a fair point. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get in touch with the show, you certainly can. We'll take a break. We'll come back. have a couple of questions starting to trickle in. Lightning taking on the Devils tonight. Of course, you can listen to all of the action right here on Lightning Power Play. And we will take a break, come back, and do a little more talking about this Lightning team and so much more. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. Steve Hurstink is producing. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Glad you're with us. Game night. One of the few in the month of February. Greg Linnelli, Dave Michigan with you. For the the Lightning. For the Lightning, yes. Course. What Steve say? Ross Colton, returning home, right? Mm-hmm. First, first time. Good for him. Yep. He's gonna have a couple of goals tonight, maybe. We'll see. Gillies and Ned has been pretty good for them. We saw him last time they played. Played pretty well yeah, against the big Penguins tonight.
0: Huge, big goalie.
1: I know. Chief talked more about like his rebound control.
0: That was a problem in that last
1: game against the Lightning. Yeah, literally. but that was
0: really one of the few problems that he had.
1: That was the Joseph goal, especially, right? We came yeah. down shorthanded and just thought he had it. Had no idea where it was. Yeah, Whatever. I mean, that happens. Still trying to figure it out. But they're, they've are they got some pieces there you can start to see. You made a good point. I think it was off the air. Maybe it was on the air. I can't remember these days, Dave. Ottawa and Jersey, maybe a little bit similar mm-hmm. from that standpoint. Up front. Off the air. I made off that the air. comment to yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you expand on that. But what I will say is... You know, sometimes you, you get these teams who are struggling and they're rebuilding and you understand they're rebuilding, but is the rebuilding process going the way it should? Arizona up in the air, I know they have a lot of draft picks, who who knows? Montreal's kind of just tailspin here and, and yeah, it's they gonna take moved them a couple of years.
0: Tyler Toffoli. we can talk about that. Yeah. But First I feel like really big trade that we've seen so far.
1: Yeah. And What they gave up to get him was was interesting, too. I felt like that was a a pretty good haul. But I I will say this. I feel like with Jersey uh, and Ottawa, you can at least see the rebuild underway and the direction they're going. Like, the pieces are starting to be put in place, and you can start to say, yeah, okay, I get get what they're trying to do. I think it's still an open question. And the execution part for some of these other teams, if they'll pull it off, and, and maybe to an extent Ottawa, too, and New Jersey. But, I mean, look, you, you got a Jack Hughes. That's that's a good building block. Mm-hmm. You know, he sure is a, is a decent player. Hamilton on Third the Third star hand. of the
0: week, he sure was. Yeah. Had five goals in the four yeah. games. He's
1: a pretty good player. I mean, we, we've talked about this. I don't know if he's going to be the dynamic guy that maybe they thought. And when you're taking that high, you know, maybe the expectations are higher but, I mean, you can – like I said, you can see some players there that are building blocks, and I think the rebuild process is underway, and I think you can accept that if you're a Devils fan.
0: Yeah, I think the the point I was making about New Jersey and Ottawa and how they are similar, because both teams have been near the bottom of the standings and have tried to to build it up, and they've done it through drafts and some trades here and there. For the Devils, they had a big – free agent signing in Dougie Hamilton, who, by the way, is working his way back from a broken jaw. And it's unclear exactly. It's not like an ankle injury when you really get a sense that a player is close because Hamilton can do most things. It's just a matter of, I guess, pain threshold and how the jaw is healed. So it's an open-ended question when he will come back. The Devils, interestingly, and I'm going to circle back to the, the Devils' Senators' comparison but the devils interestingly played four games last week monday tuesday thursday sunday they play the lightning tonight but then they don't play again until the 24th of february so they may decide as it relates to hamilton to just have him wait and i would i would expect that based on the fact that there's some rumbling, could he play tonight that if he doesn't play tonight they're targeting their next game on the 24th against the penguins actually So where I see New Jersey and where I see Ottawa, they have been able to add some young players to their NHL roster. And these young players, many of whom play forward, have a dynamic quality to their game. On the Devils, you got Hughes. The Sharon Govich is a player. He's a really good player. Dawson Mercer is a really good player. I think young, extremely young. But... Has some pop to his game. Yeah. Scored a really nice goal in the first meeting between the teams at Amelie Arena. That was the the game the Devils rallied to win. And, you know, like you mentioned, Heshear, he's always going to have that kind of association that he was the number one overall pick. But for the Devils, he doesn't have to be Connor McDavid or even Jack Hughes. If Jack Hughes is going to end up being a brighter star than Heashear, even though they both went first overall. From the Devils' standpoint, the important thing is that Heashear is a contributing member on your team, right? Maybe he will slot in as as the second-line center, which is where he's going to be tonight, and he'll be really good in that role. They are really excited about Jesper Bratt, who's been in the league a few years, and he's currently out injured. But I remember the last time the Lightning saw the Devils, which was that game that Gillies played that you mentioned, Greg. We heard from from Matt Lachlan, who joined us on Power Lunch, the chemistry that Hughes and Bratt have and how Brad is looking like almost a different player playing with Hughes. So I would include Bratt in that category as well. I'm not mentioning all of their, yeah, their younger cool. players, but I think Ottawa, you can look at Norris, you can look at Brady Kachuk, who's more of a, uh, power forward type, yeah. but very effective for sure. I think Batherson is going to be a terrific NHL player. I mean, they I really s- like him. three they've potential got stars. Yeah, yeah they've I, got Stutzla, yeah. who is a high draft pick. And I mean, I'm not just mentioning these guys like Stutzla a high draft pick. Not every high draft pick works out the way the team that drafted that player envisioned. Look at Alex Galchenyuk, who has been with how many teams as a number three overall pick. Having said that, he did score against the Lightning last Friday. But I, I think that there are similarities there in that these are teams that, first of all, have struggled to score going back to the last few years. And they've got some young players who are going to give them some offensive pop. I think Anaheim is, is, to some extent, doing the same thing with the Troy Terrys and the Zeruses, etc. Although, here is the big difference. Anaheim has the goalie. And I think for New Jersey and Ottawa, that is a question that still needs to be answered as well as overall team defense. We've talked about this with, with the Senators. The Devils are similar in that they can have the Hugheses and the he and the Sharon Govich's and the Brats and the like, and maybe Dougie Hamilton who really helps them produce offense from the blue line. Ty Smith is a a high draft pick, young defenseman. I'm sure that they're excited that he will evolve into, into a really solid player. You have to figure out a way to keep the puck out of your net. And whether Mackenzie Blackwood is the answer for New Jersey, unknown at this point. Is Matt Murray the long-term solution in Ottawa? Unknown at this point. But even with the goalie, how you play as a team defensively is going to be the the next step or a very important step in getting your team to move up the standings. But I would contrast what I just said about New Jersey and Ottawa with, let's say Arizona, Arizona has a longer way to go. I think Keller they're really excited about. They just don't have the supporting cast around him yet. I think the devils and senators are farther
1: along. I agree with you. But by the way, sh-
0: but they still need to s- crack this nut of the goals against, yeah, and maybe I'm they sure have. It. Maybe the goalies I mentioned are the answer. <laughs> we just don't know yet. Murray has been first ineffective and then injured, and Blackwood is young and he's hurt right now. The other thing we we didn't really mention with the Devils. I think we might have talked about it briefly the last time, Greg is that they have some of their regulars that have been hurt long-term. Like, Miles Wood is a good player. He's been out yeah. all year.
1: He, he is a good player. He play, when he gets he healthy, if, if he hasn't
0: yeah. lost anything from this injury, right. then he'll be a nice added piece. He's in the Brady Kachuk mold, or maybe Brady Kachuk is in the Miles Wood mold because Miles Wood has been in the league longer. Power forward, strong guy. He can skate, too. Yeah, He's a good player.
1: I would agree with that. No, you're right. Brat too is, he's on the injury list, right? A yeah. Body injury.
0: So yeah, he's see. not going to play tonight.
1: That's uh, to your point. I mean, they've look. You take Bernier and Blackwood out of the lineup as your goaltenders, they're not going to be confused with Andre Vasilevsky. But those are legitimate NHL goaltenders. That is going to have a an impact on your team, particularly one that's rebuilding.
0: Short term. Short term. But Blackwood is is. Is the guy that the question is revolving around? Yeah, if we're I, talking specifically about the Devils. Who did we? If speak it's to? not this year, it's it's moving forward. They have some of these pieces now that are that are emerging or in place. Yeah. They can be really excited about these players. They should be excited about these players. But if they're going to get into the the Carolina, the Pittsburgh. And now maybe even the Rangers talk and the Rangers have the goalie can make a huge difference. They're going to need to keep the puck out of their own net.
1: Who did we talk to from the the Devils when we had them on uh, as our guest? Was it Matt Lachlan? It might have been Matt. I feel like I got the sense they didn't know who their goaltender was long term. Mm-hmm. Like Blackwood was their guy now, but even even still, I think there were some questions whether he was going to be the the long term number one guy. So I think I think that's a fair point. I, I I don't know, you know, where 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 they're headed or who they have in the system. Yeah, they have they a couple up. of young
0: goalies. They have the Schmeed who backed up Gillies the last time, and now it's Nico Dawes who's another young goalie backing up yeah. Gillies. This time around, but these guys need to get some pro experience under their belt.
1: This comes from soft dump in the corner. He goes, Vegas is taking a page right out of the Bolts playbook with the Stone stuff. Stone just played <laughs> the all-star game. Now, all of a sudden, he has season-ending injury right in time for cap relief needs. Maybe all it's right. legit, but the NHL so, needs to make a statement.
0: We talked <laughs> about this a little bit yesterday. It is not all of a sudden. Stone has been battling this. I love it. I don't know. Do you want to tackle this? I have some thoughts on it, but if you, I feel like I've been... Talking for the last several minutes, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I can, I, I see I, I the guess, floor to you, my friend.
1: No, I, I, I don't, I don't know what else to say outside of as long as it's legal. I, I mean, if you have a problem with how teams may circumvent this situation, then fix it. And I, I think Elliot Freeman said, I think the league is monitoring this situation, and and maybe they're they're going to be watching these things closer as they pop up more and more. But, Dave, a team is allowed to do it. And if the league feels it's not legit, then they can go in and change the rules themselves or, specifically, they can address it with this team. But, I mean, I I don't have a problem with it. I don't. Not that specific situation. I don't know what what else to say.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to agree with you about these are the rules. So if people have a problem with it, don't blame vegas yeah blame the rule that is in place i think this one is it's similar to the kucherov situation and i think it's it's with broad strokes you can draw that comparison certainly people outside the tampa and vegas markets are are saying vegas did a kucherov and all of this stuff even though there have been other examples of of Players that have been put on long-term injury to close out the regular season and then return for the playoffs when the cap goes to to zero, essentially. Or it, it, yeah. it doesn't have any effect on the roster that you you put out on the ice, the lineup you put out on the ice. So here, here are the differences to me, and then here's the question as it relates specifically to Stone. The difference between the Kucherov situation and the Stone situation, it's more than one. First of all, Kucherov had an injury that required surgery. He got that surgery. It was unknown at the time that he had the surgery whether he would be back for game one of the playoffs. It worked out that he was back for game one of the playoffs. But I don't believe for one iota anyone who says, The Lightning scheduled a surgery so that Kucherov would miss the entire regular season. They would get cap relief and he would return magically for game one of the playoffs. When you have surgery, you just don't know. He was on the earlier side of the recovery window. He just as easily could have missed that Florida series at the time that he had the surgery. And maybe if they don't have Kucherov, they don't get out of that series. You don't know that when you make the decision you being kucherov and then by extension the organization to have the surgery the other it's whereas stone he's had a lingering issue that is not going to be fixed it sounds like with surgery okay so kucherov had a procedure there was a timeline for his return he fell in the window of that timeline which for all the people who were squawking at the time that he was out on the ice before that timeline you know the league looked at it and this is consistent with how players recover from that sort of surgery what the Delaney did not know at the time was when he would actually be able to play did it work out to their benefit it absolutely did had it been a regular season more than 56 games they would have had cap trouble because he would have returned before the regular season ended but last year was a different year all of that was out of the Lightning's control. What is happening with Stone is different, not only because it's a lingering issue that he has been playing through and it, I'm 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 assuming that he's not having a surgery because if he was having a surgery, there's no way that he would be back for the playoffs. I mean that's just my guess, but it seems to me that if you're having back surgery, you can't guarantee that you're going to be back ready to play where are we the middle of february i mean maybe in two and a half months but it sounds like the golden knights don't know exactly when he is going to be well which of course created more squawking from people because <laughs> they don't have the specific timeline at least with kucherov's recovery there was a timeline there where it was a window but the other big difference is that when kucherov had his surgery the lighting had zero points in the standings There was no guarantee that they were going to be able to make the playoffs and then have Kucherov return. The difference here is that where, where it looks shadier, even though I do believe Stone has an injury, he's been trying to play through it, he's had to miss some time multiple times this year, and he probably wants to try and get healthy for the playoffs. All of that, I believe, is legitimate. The big difference, though, is that Stone is going on long-term injury when Vegas is about as secure as you can be in terms of making the playoffs, and they have Eichel ready to return.
1: So and the Martino. timing
0: of this, I think it, it creates more of an argument for shadiness, I guess, is, is what you would say. Now, like you mentioned, Elliot talked about the league is going to look at this, and, and what they're probably going to determine is that Stone, in fact, was playing through something that maybe, maybe he could have shut it down a month ago. He just decided to shut it down just at the point that Eichel was coming back to alleviate, you know, the the cap squeeze the Golden Knights were in, and maybe that was Stone's choice. Right. Maybe Stone said, "I'm the captain of this team. I need to play as long as I can before I shut it down. I'm going to shut it down once we get Eichel back." So that's that's looking at it from kind of the charitable way I guess but to me there is no question that Stone has an injury so really the important question then is will Stone be able to return as Kucherov did for the start of the playoffs and if he is going to return how durable and effective is he going to be and the questions about cap circumvention and and shady dealings and all of that aside That is really the biggest question, and maybe it would have made sense for Mark Stone if he was having these back problems to potentially shut it down earlier so he could ensure, best he could, that he's going to be back for game one of the playoffs. We just don't have those answers yet, though, Greg. Will Stone return for game one of the playoffs? And if he is going to return, is it going to be like it's been in the regular season where he's in and out of the lineup? I don't know that that satisfies anyone who feels that this is, you know, like a conspiracy or or shady dealings or cap circumvention. But they are definitely utilizing the rules that are in place. And from that standpoint, I agree with you. But I think this is different than the Kucherov situation because Stone didn't go on long-term injury until Eichel was ready to come back. I mean, it's fair. And the Golden Knights are basically locked into a playoff spot.
1: It's fair. You know, why did you go on IR now as opposed to two weeks ago you know did I'm yeah. sure the injury didn't get worse maybe it did now um, the general manager for Vegas uh, McCrimmon came out and said um, that he has seen like six to eight specialists for his back yeah and no he's had
0: this problem there's no doubt there's no but doubt. but McCrimmon also said I don't know how long it's going to take yeah Eichel, <laughs> which didn't way, go over well with with the Twitter mob I think
1: yes well and Eichel is set to make his debut tomorrow yeah and so that'll be fun. Look, the league's a better place with Jack Eichel in it. Yes. And I think it'll be fun to see.
0: Now, are they going to be able to work the Alec Martinez return in as well? Well, that was Do the other thing, that?
1: too, because Friedman and Merrick were discussing this, and they basically were saying that they're going to have to make a move because they're going to be over with these players returning, even with Stone on IR and whatever cap relief that gives them in the short run. But they're, they made it seem like they're going to have to get something done. What that is, I don't know. But, you know, pretty impactful players coming yeah. in the lineup and coming out of the lineup. Stone is a gamer. Oh, he's he's a really good I mean, And so,
0: like, this notion that he's, he's somehow trying to pull the wool over someone's eyes, or, like, that's just nonsense. He is hurt, and he's been playing hurt. For sure.
1: He's a, he's but a, he's it, a, he's the circumstances
0: worked out that he was able to play and help his team A, up until the point that Jack Eichel was ready to return, and B, he goes on LTIR at a point where the Golden Knights, really, there's not much of a question about them making the playoffs, in my opinion. I mean, I guess it's possible that they could go into a major tailspin, but they're they're in pretty good standing right now, understanding that the West is tighter than the East. I mean, I'm looking at the standings. They they do only have a six point lead on Edmonton, which is the ninth seed right now. But I don't know. It is different to go on that long term injury when your team has zero points in the standings. Yeah. Whereas when your team is in first place past the halfway point of the regular season. Yeah. Keep Flames lying. are nipping at their heels though, boy.
1: What do you make of the Toffoli trade? That was kind of Good rumored. trade.
0: Good trade for Calgary.
1: You don't mind what they gave up? What they gave up? First? Fifth? A first and a
0: fifth? And, and a pit lick? Yeah. Look, Toffoli's won cups. In addition to his impact with the Canadians last year, he sure. was another guy who had a fairly quiet Stanley Cup final, but he was very good leading up to the Stanley Cup final. And the Flames are putting their chips... In the middle of the table, a yeah, Julian Breezebaugh.
1: They are. They've got a good goaltender, I think, that keeps you in those games. And yeah. Goodrow has been really good this year.
0: I told you earlier in the year, I, I was bullish on Calgary. Back when they were out of the top eight, frankly, in the West. But they had they had the games in hand to, to try and make up ground. But they've done it. I mean, they've won six in a row. They're eight and two in their last ten. And they yeah, are did just call rolling. That, yeah. I mean, they're... They beat Florida at home. Yeah. They beat Toronto at home. They're beating some good teams.
1: They've got some pieces there that you like. Yeah. Bob says it appears turmoil in Buffalo again. Multiple reports that the ownerships are looking for new owners for the Sabres. Pagula's never got the team to the level they promised. Sad that once a strong franchise from the Knox family is struggling to survive.
0: Or oh, are they struggling to survive? I don't think they're going anywhere. I mean, I... They've maybe had they've had a deep... lot of mismanagement. They've had several people come in beyond, not beyond, under the owners yeah. that have tried to get this thing right, and they just haven't been able to do it. Now, maybe the current management group, like they got the Eichel situation resolved. Maybe that's the right word to use, and now they can they can move on and and look forward but the decisions that you make in management in this sport in particular where it's hard to get out of bad contracts or contracts that are not helping you and are pigeonholing you to make additional moves based on the term and the dollars it's hard to get a mulligan and if and if one management group make several of those decisions that put a team in a corner, then the next management group, like to an extent, their hands are tied. Yeah. That's why I was talking about Arizona. Like Arizona has the flexibility because they have dollars open and they have lots of draft picks. So this new management group, we'll call it the new management group. Like they have much more of a blank canvas than many other teams like Buffalo.
1: Franchises that know what they're doing typically don't trade players like Jack Eichel. You just don't. Not in a salary cap world. You just don't do it. And look, it happens. There are exceptions to rules. You can go back the history of the NHL in any sport, and a franchise player is traded too early, goes somewhere else, and does very well. But and look, the Lightning. You know, before this management. Group came into place. An ownership group came into place. They had some some issues. And you make mistakes when you don't know what you're doing from top down. That's where Buffalo is. Jack Eichel is somebody you build around, not who you trade. And I think that speaks to where they are right now. They're trying to right the ship. We'll see how that plays out. Al says, I wonder if we could see Radish instead of Foot against the Jersey Devils tonight. My sense would be no. But... That's
0: Al was singing Radish's Darren Radish, he's talking about. Darren Radish, correct. Yeah, Darren. he was singing his praises after the Colorado game, as was I. I thought Darren Radish played really well against Colorado.
1: The only way we're going to make a, a decent decision on that is got to see Radish play more, and, and who does he take reps away from? And it's going to have to come from probably Kyle Foote. Yeah. And Kyle Foote's a first-round pick. Whether you like that or not, there is a certain amount of assets that were invested in Foot that you want to see him get those opportunities when called upon. So he's probably going to get first crack. That being said, one of the beauties about Sports Partner is that it is a meritocracy. I mean, typically when the chips are down, you want to play the best player. So perhaps Foot will get a look here, keep getting that look. If it doesn't satisfy the coaching staff and injuries are still out there on the back end and rash is still in the conversation, Maybe he starts to get a few games here and there. I just – I don't see it happening at the expense of foot right now.
0: As John Cooper says, you're going to you need to tune in tune tonight. In. Tune in tonight? No skate today, so we don't even have a clue about We don't. the lineup decisions. But Radish was summoned back from Syracuse as a seventh defenseman, mm-hmm. and that's insurance in case something happens in warm-ups or just gives the, the team a little bit more flexibility. So they can make that decision if they want to.
1: We'll see. 7 o'clock tonight, pregame will be at 6.30, and then you and I are going to be back at it tomorrow wrapping up this game and looking ahead to uh, the next one. By the way, I just saw Paul Delgado, meteorologist here in the local area in Tampa Bay, one of the best in the business, said it. it, So far, it's what, how many days out? 13 maybe for the uh, stadium series. Looks like Mm -hmm. it's going to be mild is what he's looking at, but that obviously can change as we know with the weather, so we'll keep an eye on that.
0: Right. As well, a, does mild mean, like, they may have ice problems, or mild is in, thank goodness, it's not going to be, like, five degrees.
1: You know what? Let's get Paul on. Yeah, we should. Why not? <laughs> that actually might be a fun get, because he he follows hockey, and he loves it very much. Maybe we'll do that uh, as we get a little closer there. But, partner, I will talk to you a little later on tonight.
0: Yeah, talk to you in a few hours. Should be fun.
1: All right, Dave Michigan there. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to you for listening. I am Greg Lanelli. Pre-game starts at 6.30 tonight. Puck drops at 7.00. And we're back at it tomorrow, noon to one, on Lightning Power Play.